The primary health care blueprint has been launched. The government is devoted to foster disease prevention and early treatment. Connecting community health care services, district health centers across the 18 districts help you live a healthy life and be aware of health risks early. The blueprint encourages the family doctor for all concept to keep track of your health, manage chronic diseases and avoid complications. Let you enjoy a healthier and quality life. Visit primaryhealthcare.gov.hk to learn more. Good morning and welcome to Week on 3 with me, Janice Wong, where we look back at some of the best interviews over the past week here on Radio 3. In the next half hour, we're going to hear about an upcoming production at this year's Hong Kong Arts Festival. And now that the mask ban is history, let's find out what you can do with the ones you have stocked up at home. But before we get to that, it's Clock and Flap Weekend. After a wait of more than four years, the Arts and Music Festival has returned. Among the many acts performing at the three-day event are the Arctic Monkeys, Wu-Tang Clan, the Cardigans and Bombay Bicycle Club. Alison Howe caught up with Clock and Flap co-founder Justin Sweeting to find out more about how they brought the U.S. hip-hop act Wu-Tang Clan to Hong Kong. Oh, it's going to be an amazing set. We've been talking to them for, for many years and it's again one of those things that it, it requires schedules to align and uh, uh, you know the universe to just come together for it to happen and happily it has done this time. The really exciting thing is they're doing something really rare for this set which is a, a, a live band set which which they just never do. They always play with kind of a, a DJ backing but this is something which is going to really be a proper kind of grand finale so yeah very excited for it. Awesome. We did mention that it took us a good five years wait for Cluck and Flap to return. Tell us about how COVID changed everything for you and your company. Um, well, I mean, on a very, on a very basic level, COVID was devastating for live music event industry, like it was for so many. Um, I'd say that kind of promoters and also where we came from with our own history, we're, we're kind of used. Our mindset is always just how do we make the best of the context that we're in and the challenges that we're up against. So this this was obviously a a, a very complex layer that sat on that top, which had a, had a massive impact on us. But fundamentally, we were always we were still just doing our, our mindset was still the same. Just how do we get around the challenges we have to face this time? We have to face it during COVID. So it meant we had to rethink things and reimagine things and. Uh, work on what we can do, but, but but the name of the game was just how do we how do we survive through this, and so we can keep our our, our team intact and our, our kind of minds in good spaces, so that when the time does come for us to return, we we can hit it with full force and, and and kind of get back into it, which is which is where we're at now. For yourself, I mean, through all the years of bringing incredible artists in, who would you say was your biggest milestone? Oh, biggest milestone, that's really hard to say. And, and honestly, the funny thing is, is I don't, I, I actually don't tend to look back at milestones too much, mainly because there's there's never any time. Like we're always kind of focused on what is coming up next. And um, I guess I kind of think of things more in terms of like a series of stepping stones. So every, every event we do or every artist we do, it, it enables us to do the next one. And so, um, yeah, that's a really, really difficult question. I haven't, um, you know, from, from the very first show we did to, to, 
to now, it's always always been a, just a series of stepping stones. And it has been an incredible amount of artists that are really superstars for a lot of people that you've brought in. So on behalf of every music fan here in Hong Kong, thank you for doing that. That's my pleasure. If no one came, then it wouldn't work. Now, I know that you do different scales of shows, for example, through Ticketflap, you've got a lot of different more indie artists. They're doing more intimate gigs and then blowing it up to the size of Clock and Flap. How does it work to bring an artist in? Uh, well, there's, there's uh, yeah, there's a whole process to it. I mean, a, a lot of the things that I'm focused on is actually the, um, I guess, the programming and the curation side. And so I'm I'm the one dealing with the artists and their agents and their managers. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of it is making it interesting and viable for them, honestly. So it comes down a lot to. Um, Kind of talking through why it's important for them in terms of their Korean strategy to be thinking about Hong Kong and Asia, and then working out how to make it viable in terms of schedules and in terms of the numbers to make it all kind of stack up so it works for everybody. Um, so it's a it's it's a process, and then you know once you have the artists in play, then it's all about how do you um, make execute on the event, which is everything from venue booking to marketing to production to safety and security and oh, you know there, there are so many elements that go into this it's a very big operation especially when it gets to the scale of something like Long Flat. Looking ahead not only were we excited about this weekend what else have you got coming up? Well the shows are starting too so the great thing now that we, we, we can put on our, our events again we, we've announced a couple of shows already to come in the months coming leading up there's, there's a lot more coming um, so I think with Hong Kong opening up, it just means that we can get back to doing the fun stuff that we've been waiting for all this time. That's Justin Sweeting, the godfather of Clock and Flap, speaking on Common Room. One of the biggest stories this week was, of course, the end of mandatory mask wearing after almost three years. But many of us still have some stocked up at home. So, what do we do with them? Beatrice Sue from Greeners Action spoke earlier to me and Danny Gittings on Backchat. Actually, we have uh, done a survey on 2020, and we discovered that uh, Hong Kong people, Hong Kong people, actually used about uh, 54 uh, million uh, facial masks every week. So, uh, we actually estimate that. Uh, for Hong Kong people during um, the pandemic uh, in February, during February and November in 2020, they've already used um, uh, uh, 2 billion of facial masks. And after three years of the pandemic, we estimate that 8.6 billion of facial masks were used. And they're not easily recyclable, are they? They just go into general waste. Yes, they yes they do because um, they're actually quite complicated. You see that as a mask, they have three different layers, and then they have uh, kind of the strings at the ear. So they're actually composed of different types of materials, but mainly they are composed of PP plastic, which is very hard to recycle. Well, of course, the government did distribute uh, recyclable or washable masks, but no one mm-hmm. seemed to wear them apart from Carrie Lam, as far as I can remember. 
quite true. <laughs> um, I think that we have been promoting uh, the use of um, reusable facial masks for many years, and we saw that people are actually getting more used to that. Uh, we think that it's uh, we worth promoting it because uh, if, after we've seen the figures during the years, we think that it is a time for people uh, to develop a habit of using the reusable facial mask. I think you're also worried, aren't you, about people dumping their remaining stuff? I mean, we've all got boxes of masks uh, stacked up all over the, our homes, um, um, and you're worried about people dumping their, 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 their supply of unused masks. Quite true. Actually, if you uh, just observe around, uh, around us during these three years, uh, we saw that um, people, some people are actually dumping the facial mask in different places, like, for example, in, in country parks. And uh, even though for everyone you can post, uh, you, you may dispose your facial mask in your rubbish bin. And you see that actually it comes to uh, health um, it's at health risks because uh, facial masks actually they have virus and different types of germs or whatever. So if you just um, dispose it out, outside somewhere else on the street or maybe the country park, actually it has a health concern as well. And after the, uh, the, the government announced that you can take off your facial mask, that's what we're worried about is that I think a lot of people, they have accumulated a large number of facial masks during these three years. And so that's why we, uh, when we knew that the government made the announcement, we just worried that people might have these kind of uh, thoughts on their minds. So that's why we send out a reminder to let people know that you have other choices. For example, if you have abundant number of uh, facial masks, you can think about sending it to somewhere else, uh, to people in need, for example, like the elderly center or the rehabilitation center, which I think those people were, uh, they have much more needs on the facial mask. And if you have really purchased a large number of facial masks, just use them all and you think about whether you still keep buying or you just um, buy a small number of facial masks. But we're not actually asking people to wear it or not, but we have to tell people that it's up to your choice. You may wear it in the uh, high-risk area, for example, like hospital or, or maybe elderly center that you think they have higher uh, risk of getting uh, infected of the COVID. Earlier you talked about uh, how um, you, you wanted to remind people to maybe donate their extra masks to uh, people in need, like a elderly home. Um, what about recycling? Is it possible to recycle unused uh, face masks? Um, actually, it is uh, quite hard to recycle. It's uh, composed of different types of materials, for example, like uh, the strips made of uh, metals and also the mainly made of PT plastic, which is very hard to compose. And so we think it's quite hard to recycle. And I think the government should take the lead of uh, managing kind of recycling system. If you look into some of the uh, examples in, uh, for, for example, like UK or maybe in Australia, there are actually some companies there, um, working with some recycling, um, maybe companies or maybe recycle, uh, recycling organizations. There's kind of programs that they set up some collection points or collection boxes in um, different areas, for example, like shopping arcades, and then people just recycle whatever uh, kind of facial mask they've used into, into that collection box. And then these used facial masks were sent to, um, they have different types of um, uh, the, uh, sterilizing the, the germs, for example, like probably like ultraviolet or maybe different types of ways to um, 
to make it clean, and then they turn into some uh, useful plastic materials and use it for maybe uh, building materials or uh, maybe for some plastic uh, other maybe like stationary or different types of usage. So we think that it's a way to upcycle the um, the facial mask, and then this this can be done. And I think the Hong Kong government can take the lead on doing so. Beatrice Sue from Greeners Action speaking on Backchat. Remember the absurd sci-fi comedy Everything Everywhere All at Once? Well, it has continued its hot streak in Hollywood by winning big at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. The film is about a Chinese-American family undergoing a tax audit who end up fighting a universe-hopping supervillain. It won Best Cast, Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh, Best Supporting Actor for Kei Hui Huan, and Best Supporting Actress for Jamie Lee Curtis. Hong Kong-based film critic James Marsh says this is a victory for diversity in Hollywood. He spoke to Damon Pang on Newswrap. Well, first and foremost, it's a very good film. You know, it's it's a very imaginative film. It's got a bit of everything. It's escapism. It's drama. It's about representation. It's about family and all of these things. You know, and it's really sort of found an audience. But but also, it's come at a time when I think the industry, particularly in the U.S., is looking for an increase in diversity and in representation for you know a number of underrepresented groups. And this film is, features a, an almost entirely sort of Asian or Asian American cast, and is about those things. It's about celebrating the lives of Asian immigrants in the U.S. And so I think it sort of plays into a number of themes that are being talked about in the cultural conversation as a whole. But I think we should not overlook the fact that it's just a really good film. It's a really entertaining film. That uh, you know encapsulates a number of genres and has some great performances. Michelle Yeoh was, of course, the first Asian actress to win the SAG Award for Female Lead. What do you think about that? Like, what does that say? Well, I mean, it's it's about time, quite frankly. It shows about the the lack of diversity that there has been historically in Hollywood for far too long. It, hopefully, it is not a flash in the pan. It is a sign of meaningful change. I mean, you, you look at how a better represented sort of African-American performers have come in the last sort of 20 years or so, and you're seeing the net be cast wider, if you like. I, I think if Michelle Yeoh wins the Oscar, it'll be only the second time ever that an Asian actress has won the award. And I think the first time was an actress called Merle Oberon way back in like the 30s, who I think was half Sri Lankan and didn't even really consider herself or call herself an Asian actress back then. So it's, it's, it's been, you know, such a long time coming. Uh, but you see with like uh, recent wins, like sort of Parasite doing very, very well and Squid Game doing very, very well in recent years, you see that there, that there is now increased sort of recognition and appreciation for, uh, for Asian entertainment. Right, which leads me to the next question. What do you think the success means to Asian actors and perhaps even Asians in general and also Asian culture in the U.S.? Well, hopefully what it means is more and more opportunities because, you know, every year you have this conversation come award season about sort of 
Oscars so white and, uh, you know, a, a lack of diversity among the nominees or, or a lack of female directors being nominated or, or what have you. But you have to go further, further back. And that these things are only going to change in serious, meaningful ways if the roles are there. And the roles are only going to come if the writers and creators uh, are, are willing to, to write these stories and to write these roles. And so it goes right back to the studio, back to the development stage, and you've got to give these kind of voices the opportunity to tell their stories. And, you know, again, you know, so hopefully what this means is it proves to essentially the money men, the, the people with the power to give a project a green light to begin with, that there is an audience for this stuff. Because that, I think, is where the reluctance was for so many years was nobody wants to see these stories. Nobody can relate to these stories. You know, there was always this perception that the audience was a sort of a white, middle-class audience. And that has, obviously, there's been a big shift in that perception. And so, hopefully, it's going to trickle down and you're just going to start to see more and more of these kind of stories get the green light in the first place, to get the characters written so that then the actors have the roles to be cast in. That's film critic James Marsh speaking on Newswrap. Now let's turn to First Steps, an upcoming production at this year's Hong Kong Arts Festival, which is up and running. It is a participatory dance in an immersive sound space with interactive lighting that will kick off next Friday at Free Space at the West Kowloon Cultural District. To find out more about it, Noreen Mir spoke to Remy Lodge, the producer of First Steps. First Steps uh, is about taking a first step on stage for uh, non-professional performers. Uh, it's a way to be the star of the show. Uh, so we invite uh, 24 people to come uh, on stage. Uh, we, will, we will guide them with uh, some uh, instructions to do a performance and do and search for their, for their own dance. And they will be watched by an audience uh, that will be uh, uh, sitting and, we, and they will watch and they will witness the transformation of these, uh, of these participants uh, that are at the beginning just spectators, uh, usual spectators, and we hope at the end will be, we'll, we'll have the, the eyes of a performer. And are these dancers, are, are these participants dancers to begin with? Do they have to have a dance background or who are these participants? Absolutely not. They, uh, actually, we, we hope uh, people that are not dancers will come and will, uh, and will join us uh, because it is, uh, we don't seek uh, for uh, 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 a, a technical dance performance uh, uh, with great beauty and grace and everything we hope to 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 we are looking for uh, some intimate uh, dance a dance that show the vulnerability of everyone on stage uh, and that allow them to feel uh, uh, the, the, their own body uh, that how the, their, the movement can change uh, someone 
this is how we want to 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 show on stage uh, yeah because I think with dance there's a lot of emotions involved and there's the evolution when you first start and and as you get more into it mm. you know those feelings sort of um, uh, come out more physically exactly. um, um, as, as well and you don't necessarily have to have a dance background to be able to show the joy or, or the fear you may be experiencing exactly we all have uh, this in us uh, when we were kids uh, we have music every time we have music oh, we, start to, we start to jump to, to, yes. to, to, to dance to yeah we have this it just uh, we forgot it uh, as as adults. We learned that we only needed to communicate by the voice and and everything, and expressing our emotion uh, with our body is a way of communication. Is a way of expressing ourselves, and that's what we try to 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 make with this experience. Yeah, you're right, Remy. We kind of suppress it because I think as children, people are more fidgety. You know, when we're exactly. excited, exactly. we bob up and down, shoulders move a yeah. little bit. Why is that as adults, or where did we sort of lose that along the way? I, I, I think your background is in dance, <laughs> <laughs> so you you, you know. Um, I know. I know that uh, I, I, I have the chance. I had the chance uh, to be on stage, uh, and it completely changes me. Changed me. Um, I was a kid. I was a teenager that uh, was really uh, with a lot of energy. Energy, but I didn't know what to do with it. And a lot of people are like that. They didn't know. And so there is uh, anger. There is frustration. There is everything. But. You don't know to do you. I didn't know how to spell it out. There, there needs to be an outlet. Exactly. Yes, yes. And when I found when I found dance, uh, it changed everything. It changed everything. It was my new way of communication. And the first time I, I went on stage, I thought it would be really, really scary. And it is. The ten first second is. When you when you come up on stage, you have uh, the chills. You are oh my god, what is that? I'm so scared. But it lasts it lasts just ten seconds because after that, you feel the air. You feel you're in the present. You're not. There is no past. There is no future. You're in the present and you're free. And this feeling, uh, and I will always remember the first time I went on stage. And this is exactly this feeling that we want to give to the participant that will be uh, that will go on stage for the first time as well. And and yeah, I think um, for me as a teenager, it changed a lot to to uh, to dance. Uh, but I, I think that the, the the fact that we have that in our when we are kids and we lost kind of losing it after that, it's also. Because we we are we are in a society we the, have to act a certain way and, exactly and we're scared as well in, in case people are judging the way exactly. we move exactly there is all the judging but also because if we were in a society well there is no words and we how only great need, would that be yeah we only <laughs> you know I I made a lot of workshops with. Uh, 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 deaf people yes. uh, that were communicate just by what they were not non dancers but sign language exactly yes. but they were uh, uh, they, they, it's it's 
it's already dance for me. Uh, and they feel the rhythm, and they yeah. very expressive. And that were, uh, yeah, these workshops was were amazing. I learned uh, sign language, so oh, yeah. my, yes, so my oh, um, cool. so our, our sign language teacher, she is the most expressive person yeah. ever. I love watching exactly. her, not just only sign, but also just the facial expression, and it's amazing to it. You know, even though I'm not fluent, it really makes me feel like I understand, and we are communicating exactly, even as we're talking. Talking right now, exactly, yes. and yes. yeah, right now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> since the beginning of our conversation, I'm also because uh, I'm part uh, Italian, so I speak a lot with my <laughs> with my hands. But um, how did you overcome this fear, Remy? Because you know, if you have a background in dance, yeah, but some of these people of sometimes even um, even with public speaking, it can be quite uh, overwhelming. What's your recommendation? How should people overcome this fear of of worrying too much when they're on stage dancing? Mm -hmm. I think they have uh, the chance to be together, to be as a collective. They are twenty four on stage. There, there is, uh, there are uh, five dancers as well. There will be as companions uh, of this journey, and most important thing. Everyone has a, a headphone, oh. that, and in the headphone is a voice uh, that is a guide, and that guides them to make some improvisations, some choreography, and everything. So, for all along the way, you are ac accompanied by dancers' voice, and then you have music, you have light, and we just want we created a playground uh, for them uh, so that they can uh, play with the light, play with the sound, play with the music and everything. So that we, we, we diminish a, a bit this, uh, this fear yeah. of, of, being, of being on stage. But, you know, uh, I think also it, it's good to feel this fear. Uh, I think we just need to, uh, they just need to accept it because yes, no feeling is bad, so to speak. We shouldn't exactly. label the emotion. Exactly. It, it will pass, and afterwards exactly. you might feel that liberation. Oh, it wasn't so bad. Exactly. It's it's. Uh, and I think I think feeling. I think one of the best moments we live in life is when at the beginning it's oh wow wow it's, <laughs> it's really scary it's really scary it's really scary. Oh, oh, okay. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm do. Oh, oh, I did it. Wow. And that's a uh, that's a really amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah. really empowering. And really empowering. Yes. Uh, at the end, all of these people will will tell to their friends, to 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 their to their uh, families and everything. I, I went on stage. Remy Large, the producer of First Steps. And now to close this week on three, I leave you with a bit of Steve James and his afternoon drive on Monday, where he looked back at the year 1999. I'm Janice Wong, and I'll see you again for another week on three next Saturday. Bye for now. Have a great weekend. Tea break this afternoon, this day 1999, Britney Spears started a two-week run at number one on the UK singles chart with a this one, Baby One More Time.
biggest UK selling single of the year. Also number one in the United States. Oh, 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 oh. 